Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're measuring flicks During holiday travel, some people get delirious. Some get delayed. And some get <laughs> Del Griffin. American Light and Fixture, Director of Sales, Shower Curtain Ring Division. Neil Page got all three. I was on my way home to spend a nice holiday with my family. Instead, I'm in a motel bed with a stranger. So instead of Thanksgiving with his family, he's spending three days with the turkey. Happy clams just whistling down the road. Flintstones, meet the Flintstones, they're the Martonic family. Paramount Pictures presents Steve Martin. You ever been to Hawaii? Yeah. You see Don Ho while you were there? See the second show, that's the best one. Is that right? Yeah. John Candy. Why are you holding my hand? Where's your other hand? Between two pillows. Those aren't pillows. In a new film by John Hughes. Planes, trains, and automobiles. See that Bears game last week? Yeah, hello game, hello game. Hello everyone, welcome to Measuring Flicks. I am Carl Hartley. And I am Max Peterson, and we're back in studio surprisingly quickly, Carl. Given our track record for the old pandemic, I thought it'd be another couple months before you and I sat Heck down to no, do that. no, baby, we're on that week and three days kind of rotation now. It is, so. yeah. We're 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 doing. We're picking up speed. I've got coffee in my house again, which mm-hmm. is a godsend. Oh. To, yeah, it, fuck it, that, fuck that tea that you were trying to. <laughs> I know. I was, get through our day, my like three hour midsummer conversation on tea. Oh my god, yeah, and no breakfast either. So it's like no, there's like no food. Weak black tea. Oh, I was like, I was like. It. I was a monk. I was I was doing my fast, you know. You were sur- you were surviving on snack packs of chips and airline <laughs> bottles of booze is what you were doing. I mean, yeah, since March. Since March that is <laughs> that's basically what I've been doing. Before we do anything else today, we didn't thank our patrons last week because we were exhausted from three and a half hours of talking midsummer and I couldn't find the card. So we just kind of blanketly thanked everyone and and pooed the bell. Poo the bed a little we bit. Did. We did. We did poo the bed a titch. Uh, we haven't. We haven't done that in a while. But there is a history of us fucking up repeatedly on this <laughs> show. So, in the grand tradition of measuring flicks, we fucked up. Um, so let's remedy that right now. We are a listener-supported podcast. If you like what you have heard, or if you've never listened to us, if you like the rest of what you hear today, you can head on over to Patreon.com/slash/QuillAndFilm. Q-U-I-L-L-A-N-D-F-I-L-M. You can get shout-outs on the show, full-length bonus episodes, all sorts of other cool shit. Carl and I are working on recording an album right now. There will be music forthcoming early in 2021. Um, Mm -hmm. Mid-2021, we're looking at expanding our video capabilities for our studio, and you can look forward to film content, shorts, and potentially a couple of features over the next couple of years. And if if that all sounds exciting and cool, film nerds talking about films and making films and making music and doing drugs and making (laughs) (laughs) and fucking up and not getting episodes out on time boiling corn and eating (laughs) sausages 
screaming at each other in our underwear from you know opposite sides of town. The under did the corn again, man. Yeah, if the under did the corn again. Arguing about cooking times for corn. Like if all this shit is just like riveting to you, head on over to Patreon. You can learn more. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Patreon shoutouts. By the way, the people we're about to mention, they have genuinely kept this show going for this entire... Since, basically, we started the Patreon, they've bought us mics. They have helped us pay for uh, new recording software, headphones, mic stands, because we break mic stands. You would think that we were like a thrash metal band when we're sitting down and we're like, Dude! Ari Aster is a fucking god, man! And then the mic stand Broke shatters. another mic stand. Yeah! My <laughs> It's two dudes sitting at a sitting at a table to having a conversation. We just constantly break shit, and we don't even touch the mics. If you'd nope. think we like the amount of mic stands we break, you'd think we were like up here like biting bats' heads off and spewing blood in each other's faces and like hitting each other with the mic. But no, the mic stands are just like I was made overseas, <laughs> and then they snap and we're fucked. Uh, so our list, our uh, our patrons have helped us. Quite a bit, uh, keeping I us was made overseas. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, some you don't even get, don't even get on that with me. Some of these mic stands That's are pretty fair. cheaply made, Carl. Yeah, I know. Oh yeah, when you're buying them on Amazon for like five bucks a twelve pack. Well, that's a great deal. <laughs> um, but yes, it's a twofer. We <laughs> no, we appreciate the hell out of our patrons. We love you all so much. Um, so let's take a moment to thank you right now. Uh, we would like to thank uh, Brian Jackson, Connor Sweeney, Daniele Hartelli, David Rowney, Jeffrey Morgan, Casey Scheibe, Kelly and Mike Wagner, Kevin Ramirez, Sarah Hartley, William Rockwood, uh, Cassandra, who <laughs> we talked last week about all of the rocks that we got, um, and she's that she's starting a podcast, but her messages on Patreon are it's like the only correspondence that I've actually kept up with. I think I message her more than I message my own mother. <laughs> Honestly, Aww. like I know it's kind of bad, <laughs> but there's a lot about me that's bad these days. So I'll get my shit together eventually. And we'd also finally, we would like to thank Cynthia Van Manen. Thank you all so much. You are keeping the lights on. You're keeping the mics hot. You're keeping the mic stands in electrical tape and, uh, you know, <laughs> tongue depressors. Keep, keep the, Keeping them out of the sea or whatever. <laughs> Um, if you would like to drop us a line for any reason, uh, send your emails over to measuringflixpodcast at gmail.com. Let's dive in. It's technically supposed to be the first episode of November, which will drop in December. But don't you worry, guys. We're, that's a, That means we're only four behind at this, this is, point. Well, this is not the first and only time that we have time traveled, nor will it be the last. That's yeah, what we tend to do here. That's true. Since season one. Since C, month one. See five minutes ago. We have a long history of fucking up. <laughs> it's yeah. really sort we of a... Sh- you five minutes ago. <laughs> Could you edit back to when you said that? Just cut back to it. Yeah, let me make a little note. <laughs> cut back to fuck up. <laughs> but we'll forget to do that, and then clearly we another fuck up. But anyways. Right, which, you know, again, in keeping with the show, it's really oh, sort God. of a longstanding tradition at this point. It's like <laughs> it's sort of like our version of the royal wedding. <laughs> It's a, it's the Measuring oh. Flicks drinking game. Every time we let yep. you down, drink a bottle of whiskey because that's Every probably why we, we let you down, down. Donate another dollar. That's how that works. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> up your patron pledge every time we fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> this is a good business model, Carl. We're going to be great. rolling in it. You got to focus on our strengths, and our strengths happen oh. to be just, you know, fucking up. So. <laughs> that's true. And it's Own the it. laughs. 
the laughs. It's it's our it's our charming propensity for fuck ups and our ability to make you smile during devastatingly hard times. And speaking the ability to make you smile, today's movie, Max. Dude, 1987's Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, directed, written, and produced by John Hughes. Holy shit, starring Steve Martin, John Candy, Kevin Bacon, Dylan Baker, Layla Robbins, and Larry Hankin. Oh my god. Dude, this movie is so charming. This movie is so funny. We were, Bird and I were talking about this the other day, because Bird did watch this one with me. Is this movie widespread? Is I'm, I'm actually not aware of how the world perceives this movie. I know how I think of it and you think of it. Is this a popular film? Do people know about this? I think it was a bit divisive. You when it so? came out, there were lovers and haters of it. Okay. And and I don't I know it's my it's one of my dad's favorite movies. It's one of his favorite like holiday movies. Uh-huh. Like you know that the holidays are about to begin when dad pops on planes, trains, and automobiles, right? Oh, Thanksgiving's right around the corner. It means <laughs> Christmas is coming. In our household growing up, planes, trains, and automobiles, man, it was like huge. So I know that it has a huge following. I think it's more than a cult following. But there are some more people than that just, a cult following. Say what now? Uh, did you say more more than like a, a more following than. beyond a cult following? Beyond a cult following, okay, like okay. More of a like, uh, like a typical like everyone loves Die Hard. Right, right. So it's more that than like, oh my gosh, did you hear about that planes, trains, and automobiles movie? Um, like Gremlins being someone's favorite Christmas movie would be more culty, right? Right, but, right. Yeah, it's and it it does have Gremlins has that cult feel to it. This to me has a it kind of lives in a weird space. When I think of this movie, I think of that sort of like, and I mean this, I don't mean this in a bad way because I adore this movie. Like this was one my brother and I watched all the time. At first, just to hear Steve Martin say the word "fuck" like twenty times in a row, yeah, in one one scene, because we were like we're young and know this taboo word, and also because John Candy is probably. He, I would literally put him in the same category as Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton for physical comedy. He is a Jim yeah. Carrey level physical comedian. He is hysterically funny. There's something yes. about, there's something about an actor, I, I guess like like a heavier actor like John Candy, like uh, Chris Farley, like mm-hmm. these types of actors bring a, a John Goodman. When when these actors bring physical comedy, there's a specific type of physical comedy that is only available to to people that have that like extra girth to play with. Mm-hmm. That makes it very very funny. Yeah, As a lot of it is very spatial humor in that in that regard. Completely, yeah. Like we were talking in the midsummer episode about like using uh, like physical distance between actors to create uh, like a feeling or a mood. John Candy does that extremely well. He's very aware of like where everyone is in a scene, how, how much cl- space he takes up in the scene. Right, yeah. and I mean, obviously, the production designers are do it. They're playing with making as rooms smaller, beds smaller, bathrooms smaller. You know, like to- that's the smallest economy class I've ever seen <laughs> in the Boeing seven forty seven. Like you might as well just stack like three lawn chairs together. That's pretty much how much space they have. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And like these are these are like 1950s lawn chairs. You know what we yes. would call children's lawn chairs today. Um. So I, one of the first things that I remember from this movie is Doc Hazlitt from Murder She Wrote makes an appearance, 
And this is the third Measuring Flicks film in two seasons where Doc Hazlitt has popped up as a supporting cast character. And I every time I see him, I just have to shout him out because Murder, She Wrote, man. Absolutely. He's Doc Hazlitt for like seven seasons of Murder, She Wrote. And every time he pops up in like a big Hollywood picture, I'm like, yeah, Wait, who was he? Who was he in this in this one? Um, he's in. He's somewhere very, very quickly after the opening scroll. He's like the older, gray-haired gentleman behind the desk. I think. Interesting. He's, yeah, yeah. So that's that is who that is. I have. I actually didn't take many notes on this, um, especially during the early parts. I take a lot of notes near the end, especially after the car catches on fire. Well, this this movie has like a slow a slow start, right? It we does, have to yeah. get. We have to the the first twenty minutes are a little bit slow. We're kind of like we're introduced to Neil Page. We're introduced less to Del Griffith, but more to Neil. That's who we're like introduced to first. We get a sense of who he is. He's got to get home, and Del is his foil to try like to get home. Right. You know, speaking of um of de- the introduction of Del and Die Hard, Die mm-hmm. Hard three in particular. Um. The 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 way that Dell is introduced, I like this method of character introduction where you have a central character who keeps running into problems, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have like a secondary character that sort of orbits. Yet, like yep. you said, Dell, we see Dell, we meet Dell. We see his trunk, we see his face in the cab, but we don't officially meet him until they're on their way to Wichita. Right. I knew, I knew you. I, <laughs> I knew yeah, I knew yeah. Ya. You you stole my cab. Oh, you're the guy that tried to steal my cab. Exactly. Right. So, like, when you you see these flashes and like he slowly ingratiates himself into the story, I think that's a much more effective way to 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 integrate that t- sort of character in mm-hmm. the same way they do with Samuel L. Jackson in Die Hard Three, where he's like he's just in a pawn shop, you know, and he looks across the street and he gets sort of like sucked into this. And the early part of Die Hard Three is Samuel L. Jackson trying to get out of this situation. The same way, I'm trying to find a way to send you a screenshot of my notes right now. <laughs> Do you have a note? Because my note is this and Die Hard Three would be a fun double feature. <laughs> See, Carl, this is what happens when you do a show for three years. You know, yeah, I know, dude. <laughs> the, the, seriously, like, you want to? We should. If you just could, just do a cross section of holiday movies. Those two both make the cut for me for sure. They really do. I mean, God dang, man, this. Okay, so where? So all the way so growing up this was huge in your house every year huge man my a funny story actually yeah is uh it was a huge fan with with my dad and my sister and I in the house and anytime we would come to the the Avis Renner car scene right like we'd be like all right well he's saying some words and it's fine and we just get through it one christmas we decided to play this at my grandparents house <laughs> And for some oh, reason, we no. all completely forgot about that scene until like two minutes before it happened. As soon as we, he gets to the car and it's not there, that my dad, myself, my right. sister, and I all look at each other like, Grandpa's going to fucking lose his mind. <laughs> like, what do we do? We're trapped here. We can't take the VHS tape out of the tape. Grandpa's going to, Every... oh, well, we're committed. Pot committed. Oh, God. How'd it go? So the scene, the scene happened. Right. And then it keeps going on. Grandpa doesn't say anything. It doesn't laugh. We are all starting to sweat. And he just calmly and quietly put the legs down in the recliner. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stood up, walked out of the room, and didn't come back until the movie was over. <laughs> 
didn't say anything. The movie finished. The movie was over. We all had a wonderful dinner together. He never spoke of it, never spoke of the scene, never mentioned planes, trains, and automobiles. He just politely got up, excused himself from the room, came back in when the movie was over. <laughs> and I just like that. I would put that pretty much. That's that's in that same wheelhouse of me watching uh, the Hateful Eight with my feminist librarian retiree <laughs> grandmother on my last day in Michigan. Yeah, <laughs> they're not gonna hang that woman, are they? I was like, well, what Daisy Domergue? Yeah, yeah. I think I think Daisy Domergue is going. And it was my first time seeing it, so I had no idea. Oh, but like, fuck. so you were on the ride with her. <laughs> oh my god, dude! There's like, there's a moment when you're having like a cup of Lipton tea with your grandma, and Samuel Jackson's like face fucking a dude in a field. You're like, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if this was mm-hmm. the last movie I wanted to see before I moved out of the state. So, grandma, um, sorry. She didn't quietly get up out of her recliner and go to the other room. Dude, it was it was her Netflix rental. She had the disc. She's oh, like, shit. she's like, I know you like that Tarantino. I have one of his movies. Like, what one? She's like, The Hateful Eight. I'm like, for seriously? <laughs> Do you really have that? She's like, Yeah, it's right here. God. Look, you're an it's adult. Only four and a half hours. Long. Yeah, <laughs> I think she's just trying to keep me around. She's like, No, that's just he it. shoots long flicks. I have, I have him now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's too late to leave now. You'll be too tired. I'm like, Well, I'm a I'm all emotionally shocked from that <laughs> horrific experience we just had. So, God, isn't that funny though? Like, who you watch movies with changes the tone in the room. You you watch it together as an experience, and when something harrowing happens, right? I almost feel like, oh, I'm about to be partially responsible for this person's emotional state after the scene. Right, right. It's it's like anytime Danielle and I sit down to watch a flick, and I don't know whether or not there's any rape in it. And if a scene starts to look a little blue, I get that feeling inside of me like it's my fault if it happens. Right, right. Like, oh, shit, I should have vetted this. for. Yeah, right? It's crazy. It's such a shared experience in that way. Yeah, I feel like... It is. It's such a solitary experience because we get we have our own interpretations and we view we we peel different things off of it but when you watch it with other people it's a shared experience while at the same time being an individual it's such i fucking love movies man right dude like uh dry uh drive angry when we watched drive angry you know like i watched yeah. it in a party environment you watched it like alone with a notebook and a monocle and you were like this yep. is rubbish oh, this movie is quite low brow <laughs> Max is usually so good at uh, highbrow, psychologically tense. Well, this, isn't, this isn't prisoners, let me tell you that. <laughs> Which, you know, and you're probably like, thank Christ. <laughs> thank Christ for that. <laughs> um, Bird had never seen this. This was her first go? I think this is Danielle's first go. She watched this with me. She'd never even heard of it. She know, obviously knows John Hughes. Um, mm-hmm. what is, her, his big ones are like, what, Breakfast Club, 16 oh, Candles, Breakfast Club, 16 Pretty Candles. Pink. Yep. So, like... Like there's, Home Alone, yeah, right. Home Alone. So he's got he's got this body of work, but I feel like this... Vacation, Christmas Vacation, European Vacation. Did he do Christmas Vacation as well? Uh-huh. Oh my God! See, yeah, like it's the same house in every movie. Is it really? Yeah, since Planes, Did... Trains, and Automobiles, it's the same house in in Planes, Trains, in Home Alone, in Uncle Buck, I think too, and in uh, Christmas Vacation. Well, Christmas Vacation is a different house. So Sorry. John Hughes had a couple of. I forgot about Uncle Buck. So he has a couple of movies that he does with Curly Sue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So did 
did he do two or three? Because he just he did three. He's the he's the um, clarinet player in the in the Oompa band that carts Catherine O'Hara from the airport back to Chicago to finish her trip back home to to save Kevin in from the in oh, Home Alone. In Home Alone, yeah. See, I yeah. I knew Is that, that... Hoochie Polka. <laughs> God, I haven't seen Home Alone in forever. Um, that's a Christmas... no. He was a he was a regular for for uh, Hughes. So this movie to me. Like, all of those movies you just said, I feel like everyone knows every one of those, mm-hmm. but not this one. This It's weird. It's weird, right? It's got this. It's got the same sort of flavor or vibe to me as, like, Big does. It's got, it lives in that, like, fun 80s space. In a weird mm-hmm. way, John, I feel like John Hughes and Penny Marshall are kind of like birds of a feather. Mm-hmm. This is... So this sounds like an insult, but I'm just going to say it, and we can kind of kick it around and see. But this, to me, feels like a, one of those mid-range or middle-of-the-road 80s flicks. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yep. It's, it, it feels like homogenized into that decade. Like, this, this movie isn't timeless at all. This movie sits in there, and it's not a masterpiece, and it's not mm-hmm. a crappy movie. It's a thoroughly good film from the 80s, and that... It sounds like I'm denigrating this movie, but I'm not. That is a really specific flavor that I love. If I feel like it lives in the same space as like uh, Three Men and a Baby, like that kind of. A, that was a good movie. It's funny. It has a right. cast of characters that are endearing. Grumpy old it's men. Not grumpy old men. Yeah, absolutely. It's those comedies that were endearing, but not. But some comedies they they are the ones you remember, right? And they're the big ones that like Dumb and Dumber doesn't fit into that. Kind of like because it's too popular, too big, too yeah. It's not a lily pad comedy, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. Uh, this this was really cool, and I, I I'm curious. So, listeners, if you know this movie, if you've seen Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, if you're a fan of this flick, drop us a line. Measuring Flicks podcast, or maybe I'll put up like a poll on Patreon. Like, have you ever yeah. have you ever seen blah blah blah. Because I kind of started asking around outside, you know, obviously my brother loves it. I think I was introduced to it, again, by my dad. Like, your dad was a big fan of it. Mm-hmm. I remember, because I remember when we put it on, mom was horrified that dad would show us a movie with all these efforts. And I'm like, do you not remember yep. the movies he showed me when I was, like, four and five? <laughs> like, this is pretty Yeah, because I feel like, I'd be interested to know, because I feel like <laughs> the reason I know it so well is because my dad loved it. And right. when it came out, and it just became a holiday classic in our household. But it's not who the, how the Grinch stole Christmas. It's not Die Hard. It's not that movie. It's it's not uh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. It's not the one that everyone pulls up right. every year and has to watch. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the, it's like the, it's like the B side. But again, mm-hmm. like not in a bad way. In no. like a because when you're watching it, you're like, this movie is fucking great. I feel yeah, and I feel like in a way, those movies, the the sort of B side flicks from a decade. Those are the ones that really can wring the nostalgia out of you, you know, because they're so rooted in their time, because they're not so masterful that you're sucked into them. That's actually something about about really excellent movies that can make it hard to talk about them and make it hard to to sort of like appreciate them for what they are. You get so involved and so invested in this masterpiece that you're Makes watching. Sense. Like the filmmaking is so filmmaking is so fantastic and the the, the performances are so 
right. grand that you were just sucked into that instead of just the movie being appreciated for what it is and its I charm th- or whatever. I think it's some of the rose-colored filigree in Bradbury's writing and like Ray Bradbury's mm. writing that makes yeah. Ray Bradbury so good. And if you, you know, if you if there wasn't the purple prose in there for you to like notice and admire, Bradbury would just he would I mean you know he'd just be another you know masterful like top tier <laughs> right. science fiction writer but he wouldn't be Ray just Bradbury just another Asimov just another Arthur C Clarke but ex- just another but but that's yeah. what I mean yeah he yep. he would be he'd be another Asimov he'd be Arthur C Clarke but because he has this l- little bit of, he's there's there's some bumps in there that are mm-hmm. endearing rather yeah. than glaring you know like for sure dandelion wine is like purple purpley sometimes you know it gets it gets a little bit sentimental but that is part of its charm its flaws this type of movie this this sort of like this movie is over sentimental as crap dude. totally it is just you could wring it out of the dish rag seven times and it's still just a sopping mess of sentimentality you could pull this movie's underwear out of the sink after you'd brushed your teeth in the sink (laughs) (laughs) wring it out and all that. You'll make sure you take my underwear out of the sink <laughs> if you got to brush your teeth. <laughs> oh, it, it, it was he didn't brush his teeth though. He was splashing his face splashing with the water. His face with the water and in he, the basin. Oh my god. Um, the so this. Oh god. All right. So let's jump. Let's jump into the events yeah. of the film. It's. I have. A, I have. A, I have several notes that I made along the way. It's like a. It's kind of a cool like um, sort of like mishmash of genres because it's a road movie. Yeah, and, and it's a first buddy. And foremost, I feel like it's a road movie, buddy movie. Right. It's road movie, Holiday buddy movie, movie. and yeah. it's it's also it's also the like trapped by trapped by weather series of disasters type mm-hmm. comedy, but. But mixing road like mixing them all together is in a really really fun way, with two actors who well actually let me throw this to you before I make any sort of call on mm-hmm. this. What do you how do you feel about the the uh, the chemistry between Steve Martin and John Candy? I think it grows as the movie goes along. I think Steve Martin is a little he's a little clunky and a little awkward in the in the first act of this, and I think maybe that's just. Neil Page is that way. Sure. But I feel like once we get once the car catches on fire and they're in the hotel, <laughs> That's it's the like turning the, point. Once they yeah, once we get into the final act, I feel I feel like their their chemistry comes together. It's it's a beautiful thing to behold actually. Speaking of sentimentality, right, it really right. is. By the, I mean honestly, the end of this movie, Bird and I are both crying. No, like, I'm I'm a fucking mess every time at the end of this movie. You get that it's that Ugh, Amazing that amount of song heart. is playing. The, oh god! The, yeah. Whatever. That. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's uh, you know in the arms of the angel. <laughs> Might as well be. It's like you got puppy dogs staring at you. Right. Like, feed me kibble. John Candy sitting alone, oh, crying on a bench, surrounded by like starving orphan dogs. Yeah, like yep. that's how the end of this movie feels. A you little find bit, out you know? he's a homeless person and has been for the last twenty years, and just gets by by selling whatever he can and travels and doesn't ever go home. Shower because Kurt. going. Right, he says but shower well, curtain rings. Currently, he's selling shower curtain rings. He's been selling whatever just to not have to go home and come to terms with the fact that his wife is dead. Yeah, that's the end of this fucking movie. Well, okay, that's not the end. End. They don't well, just yeah. they don't just shoot you in the head with that and they leave your fucking body do, on the though. side of the road. They kind of do though. No, they, there's yeah. the... okay. Let's. There's not... a Dano... It's like a Dano Ma where Dell gets to meet Mrs. 
uh, Mrs. Page. I'm a very uh, dude. I'm a huge fan of that little reunion at the very end when, when uh, yeah, when when Mrs. Page when Neil comes back in. I I wrote I actually have a note about it because Le- so Layla Robbins plays his wife. Steve Martin has this intensely expressive face. You know, yeah. it's one of the things he's famous for. It's like that Jim Carrey thing. Like mm-hmm. he can make just his cheeks and eyebrows do stuff, and in perfect comedic timing with his with like the musculature in his face as well. Like his eyebrows, mm-hmm. Steve Martin's eyebrows, and he's got the. When he smiles, and his, yeah, so, mm, and the eyes. Like, one, I was gonna say he has one of the most endearing smiles. He's one of those he, smiles that makes you smile. He's for me top three smiles. Robin Williams is clearly my number huh, one. Huh. Yeah, we shall not say his name. No, God, like we're it's gonna be another season before we even watch another one of his movies. He's yeah. a, but but yeah, like Steve Martin, you're right. He's got one of those smiles that immediately makes you feel warm and friendly towards this dude even with a prickly character like neil page yeah like when when there is and there's not much genuine mirth from neil because that's not the point of the beginning of this movie you know the point of the beginning of this movie is essentially a series of unfortunate events it really is yeah into which dips this other character dell um I like I like the character arcs in here because they they don't perfectly line up. A lot of times when you have buddy buddy movies like this, the characters just because it's easier to write this way, I would assume the characters sort of learn stuff about each other, and then they come to a moment of understanding, and then there's a di- this one doesn't. No, because I think it's per- in particular because Steve Martin is working or uh, pa- uh, Neil Page is working from bad information. He doesn't yes. he doesn't know enough. And when you retroactively analyze the whole relationship, Dell's arc becomes goes from being sort of bumbling and you know comedically, comedically like cringy, you know, where he's oh he stole a he stole a cab and he's this dude him clearing his sinuses for like <laughs> five minutes is one of the fun- reading a reading a smutty paperback by a cigarette lighter yeah yeah he's the- <laughs> <laughs> pressing on his cheeks just. Oh, God. <laughs> it's just, and he does it for minutes. Oh my God, we longer than necessary. The, the like, just the, the right amount. Of time. I love how he's like, it's this is that physical comedy thing I'm telling mm-hmm. you, or we were talking about earlier too. When he's turning the pages on his smutty paperback, and it's like, it's like, it's not just like a page turn. It's like, yeah, it's like the noisiest page turn. <laughs> Deep sleep, you're waking up thinking your alarm went off because of his. Yeah, and the, because the lighter doesn't light, it's a couple of flicks. Yeah, it's, a lot... <laughs> it's got like the zip. It's like the Zippo wheel, like chink, chink, yep. chink, 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 like the whole time. Fucking Steve Martin's laying there with his eyes all like Jesus Christ. He does that like deep, like like there has been no man more put upon than I, like deep yes. sigh thing that you you can only ever really manage in a cheap hotel room. You know what I mean? Like that like sigh, a complete stranger. Yeah. Right, that sigh never comes out unless you're sharing a room with a stranger in a in a bizarre cheap hotel in a town you don't want to be in that's when that noise comes out (laughs) in a hotel just outside wichita (laughs) um so yeah so bird hates that sound i i mean i'm sure you Mm -hmm. listeners know i do it on the show all the time because i've got weird sinus stuff but like that sort of like hakalugi sound hates it this movie she was like tears streaming down her face laughing and i was like i can't believe you think this is funny she's like i have no idea why 
It's just John Candy. <laughs> She's like, normally I would be like throwing up in my mouth, but John Candy is so fucking funny. Because I mean, it's like minutes and minutes of... <laughs> and then finally Steve Martin's like, Dell. And he's well, like... Well, fucking hilarious because halfway through he goes... <clears throat> pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about the pardon me. That's so good. <laughs> and then like, shot like eight beats later. <laughs> yeah, just another like huge one too. Like really digging into the... De- he's like... He's like, the, like his wisdom teeth are pulling back like fucking palm trees in a hurricane. But yeah, like, but you're right. They're like, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <Just a little. laughs> and then finally, Steve Martin gets up in the hotel and he's like, Dell. <laughs> he's like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Neil. If I don't clear my sinuses, I'll be snoring all night. And <laughs> like, it's a moot point because he's already been doing this for forever. All night. Yeah. This oh is the God. one. This is one part of the flick, actually, that I have the only real problem with. Is the and next, I think it's intentional. The morning after type deal, right? Well, no, no, no. That that's fine. That just didn't age very well. But I still think it's funny and charming, right? What, so... Where the where's your other hand between two pillows? I think that's a fucking hilarious scene. This when Neil gets out of bed, it's like Jesus Christ, Dell, and he starts to like lace into him. Oh and yeah, just, this is... and just when you think he's had his say, he goes at him again. It's brutal. Yeah, yeah. And then, then he he doesn't stop there. He goes at him a third time, re, not giving any new information or any new gripes, just going back over the same road again. Yeah, just in a more harsh and vicious way. Mm-hmm. And and every time I watch this scene, I don't know if it's because it's well written or because it's not well written. Sometimes I think it's like, okay, it doesn't. The scene you got Neil has made his point. He doesn't need to make it anymore. You probably could have cut that down a little bit, but I don't think that's Neil. I think Neil Page goes at him that third time. Yeah. So then the we're feeling horrible for Dell and feeling a little bit bad for Neil too because he is now he's past the point of no return of being able to ask forgiveness for any of it. It's not just a mad rant and fuck, dude, you won't shut up. What the hell is wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with that. But once you start like. Yeah, once you make it personal, you can't go back from there. I think that that third way, this was actually something I have a note about as well, which is I I personally think that this is good writing. This is one of the moments in this movie that I think separates this movie from movies like Look Who's Talking and Grumpy Old Men. This is why Mm -hmm. I keep watching this one, and I kind of forget about those ones and just bring them up on a show every now and again. Like, it's it's a standout moment because it is so, because it's exceptionally painful. In mm-hmm. a movie that is otherwise fairly funny. Mm-hmm. I think in a way, I think it, it does two things. One, it reminds us of the realities of what these two men, particularly what Steve Martin is going through. So, like, there, it's easy in a comedy movie to forget to forget that these are uncomfortable situations. It's just because right. we're just watching stuff to laugh at it. You know, these are situations set up to, to be funny. And they are. <clears throat> but with something like this, you realize that... Yeah, Neil hasn't slept in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Neil is not going to get home in time to see his family. This guy has been, like, if you were in a room with a dude who was clearing his sinuses for, like, minutes and minutes and minutes, it's it's a moment of, I think it's a moment of, like, real, true human emotion injected mm-hmm. into something that's otherwise absurd. And because that reality doesn't seem to belong there, it's uncomfortable. You know, it doesn't, this is not the cartoon rant that we're expecting this is a very cutting personal attack by one man to another 
this is extremely hurtful and like seeing it there makes you kind of stop laughing at the sinus clearing and you sit back up and you take notice you know and mm-hmm. and it it puts Dell in a new light because watching Dell take the high road after he does I have his 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 response written down because it always just takes me that his response that high road response yeah, yeah read it for sure he says yeah i talk too much i also listen too much i like me my wife likes me my customers like me because i'm the real article what you see is what you get right like holy fuck like everything that you just said about me is absolutely fucking true but people like me right this is who i am I am this guy that reads smutty novels in the middle of the night and has to clear his sinuses and tries to do the right thing, but always ends up fucking it up somehow. Right. Ugh. Wow. Yeah. It there's a there's a joke that Bird and I always uh, it's like a little house joke about how uh, the Bell char- or Bella or whatever character mm-hmm. from Twilight that her own her her character is that she's clumsy, right? Right. So it's like when you we when, just watched all of those, by the way. Yeah, yeah. You were telling me last episode. You're like, first one's pretty good, and then you're like, the other one's not so much. <laughs> it was basically your review. Oof. Um, Oof. But, yeah, but you know, I... like where where Bella's kind of a flat character, but she's clumsy, so that makes her human or whatever. Right. This this is a type of character, someone who is so it's a and it's a you know this goes back to Charlie Chaplin's Tramp, someone who no matter where they go or Buster Keaton's cameraman, you know no matter where they go they bring havoc with them and what mm-hmm. makes them funny is how hapless they are and how surprised they are that everyone around them is like in this state of disarray when they think that there's like you know they're the eye of the storm basically, but very seldom do you get do you get a character that's this self-aware? And I think that part of, again, another one of those little barbs that makes this movie stand out where the, the rest of the homogenized 80s mid-grade stuff kind of just falls flat or, you know, mm-hmm. you revisit it from time to time. What, the 2% milk of the 80s comedy world. Yeah, like what makes what makes this one another one of those little bits of filigree or flourishes is the fact that our bumbling comedic comedic you know like joker character or fool character that we have in here has a profoundly tragic backstory that we don't know about until the end of the movie because mm-hmm. it yeah. you watch the movie and you enjoy it for what it is and then at the end you have to you're you have to reassess it's almost like you're watching fucking memento you know you no know, kind of you know, because all of the, re- the all the breadcrumbs were there. Yeah, it's... I was thinking about this last talk when when he is the car's burned down, Neil's in the hotel and he's cold out in the car. He's like, "Man, I really wish that you were out here with me right now, but I guess that's not going to happen. Not for a lo- not for a while. Not for a long while." Yeah, like you get. I mean, he's. It's very clear that he's talking about a a, per- a, lo- a person he's lost, right? Not someone that he's just been away from for a period of time. I love that we that it's there for us. Yeah, there's 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 breadcrumbs all over this, and I I do like sometimes you don't like. I have when, a moment years. Yeah, well, but and the, what do you think about this then? Now that we're talking about the breadcrumbs, mm-hmm. John Hughes makes a choice in movies like the, and this is not the only movie to do this where you get a bombshell at the end. You know, the the fun twist ending. M Night Shyamalan is you know. <laughs> He's popular for a reason. His wife was dead the whole time. <laughs> what? But yeah, when you go, but like, what? Do you, there's two ways you can do it. You can either just let your audience remember for themselves what the breadcrumbs are, or assume that they're going to watch the movie again, and you know, like, figure out for themselves what those were. Or 
you can do a little quick montage. You know, which it's like, which we do here. What do you think of that choice? I think that I think that I generally I don't like that choice because I like to like discover it on my own. Sure. Either through a second viewing or you have that aha moment and you go it when when you get the montage remembering scene to piece it all together for you just before the moment of revelation, I think it cheapens it. Right. And it doesn't give you that that experience of like kind of having all those cogs fit together for the first time. <laughs> Here I think it works because it's Neil figuring it out. Right, right, right. We get to sort of like be in his head as he, because he's realized because it doesn't start with him putting that breadcrumb together. It starts with him realizing that he actually liked this person and he's remembering all of the mishaps that they had and chuckling about it. But then starts to also remember these other little bits and pieces along the way. It's, it's like wait a second, that doesn't fucking make any sense. Right. I haven't and been we home don't in figure years, out you know, yeah. and we don't figure out that he's put it together until he comes back to the train station and in a very real way says, Del, what are you still doing here? I think I think that why the, haven't you gone home? I think there's oh I, I there's two moments and I can actually use this one to to loop back and touch on something I wanted to touch on a second ago, but I think that we see him realize while he's still kind of like walk, he's like walking away on the on the plat when he's when, you know, or no, he's in the back of the car, right? Yeah, he's in the like in the on the train going home. Yeah, yes, and he gets those he gets those flashes of like you know I haven't been home in years, Neil, and uh, mm-hmm. like oh yeah, my 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 wife likes me, and he he makes the connection, and you can see him because I he goes, I think he whispers or mutters to himself in the car. He goes, oh, Dell, yeah, and he it's that Steve Martin like expression. The, the like there's like this you can see that you can literally see the pin drop you yep. watch the pin fall and and land and you can see like the moment when he's like oh shit his wife is dead Dell is just a wander he's a vagrant mm-hmm. shit i had this all wrong um and there's actually a, a sort of a not quite the same moment but there's a moment of acting like that during that scene where he is ripping into Dell in the hotel room and it's right before that third assault. And I love this moment. And I, I've never noticed it before. I noticed it while I was watching for the show. So Steve Martin does his big attack on Dell, and it's harsh. And then he does that, that second, like, tirade. And it's harsh, right? And we keep cutting back to John Candy. And one of the things that I don't think John Candy gets enough credit for, because he is a, he's a funny man, mm-hmm. He's he's also he has chops when it comes to serious acting. I'm I don't think I would I can't even think of a John Candy movie that's like a serious drama. You know I'm, I can't give him like full bore credit for serious drama, but um you know like this moment the hurt on his face is so genuine so real. You know he you can see you almost see John Candy being bullied as a young boy. In that mm-hmm. moment, and that's part of what makes those two tirades hurt so much. Mm. And there's a moment I, I I challenge you to watch the scene again, listener, if you or, or and you, dude, if you wanna if you wanna take a look at this, I think it's worth a look. There's a moment where Steve Martin doesn't want to say anything else because he's ashamed of himself, but the pot has boiled over and there's mm-hmm. still steam, and he it, it has to come out because you can't stop. Yeah. And it might be. It might be in this early part of the movie, it might be some weakness in character in Neil because Neil grows and he's not grown yet. But there is a moment here where Steve Martin's face is like, like, it's like, you, it's like he's been kicking a dog and he wakes up in the middle of it and he's like, oh my what God, the fuck? 
why the fuck am I doing this? Right. But he's, but there's that beautiful, like Robin Williams esque dual emotions, like warring in this man, because you see it on his face where he feels sick. He's like, I don't want to kick this guy again, but there's something in him that does. And he goes with it. He makes the wrong choice. He caves to that, that more primal or that more reptile thing. He's got himself him. worked up into that. I mean, we've all de- <laughs> gotten there. Like, we, I, I can't stop. Ah! And I think, in a way, that that's important for these two men because if if he goes, if he does two little tirades, right? He does two two little tirades. He's like, I'm over it. It's fine. Well, what I was saying, what I was thinking no. is yeah, two two tirades, and he leaves. You know, yeah. because he's like, I'm I'm pissed at you and I'm not doing this anymore. And he goes, well, fine, I'll, I'll stay here. Well, fine, then I'll leave. I'll figure something else out. Whatever, I'll sleep in a car. I don't care. But I think that in a way, they were they went all the way. They were they crossed the Rubicon of cruelty. They they blew it out completely. And they're they're You can either go your separate ways. If you go all the way and fight all the way like these two dudes did, if you let all that shit off the chain. You can either go your separate ways and never see each other again, or you now have a new bond because mm-hmm. you ex- you've experienced ultimate brutal angry honesty. This is how I feel about you. You drive me fucking insane, and this is how I feel about you. And okay, that was intensely painful. But you know what? People like me the way I am, so you can either get used to that shit or you can walk away. They both dropped the mic. Or they, you know, and then they they drop their friendship between them, and they look and wait to see if someone's going to pick it up. Yeah, and they do. Yeah, they do. And I don't think you get the same bond between these two characters if you don't have a crucible to run them through. You, outside of the comedic pratfalls and things, which are their own, you know, these are trials for Steve Martin to overcome, and <laughs> that will slowly bring these two men together. But you you need to have something like this to make this mean more than. It 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 does elevate it, doesn't it? It I does. Mean, it totally does. I, I love that acting. It moment. makes the relationship matter. It does. It, it it gives it stakes. A lot of a lot of that might be the other thing too. Is you know going into a movie like this that there are no stakes. When I say a movie like this, I don't mean this movie. I mean that that sort of mid level eighties comedy yes. thing. When you watch, you know. Uh, and obviously we watch a lot of excellent movies for this show so it's hard to come up with like real crap ones but like right. and it's this is not a crap movie I'm, i have partial to it but like look who's talking is one of those movies that you know from the second you hit play everything's gonna work out a-okay yep no question no question one of my favorite things about this movie is things end up okay but not a-okay this does. This movie has a. This movie has a good ending. But, You'll get some, but not necessarily a happy one. You know what I mean? It's there's enough. There's enough bitter left in the bittersweet ending of this that it sticks with you. Mm-hmm. That's. I think that's what separates directors like John Hughes and you know. To keep coming back to her, but there's a reason. Penny Marshall. She's another one of the. She's another one of these directors who can do this. Who can give you a movie that, in other hands, would be thoroughly average, but in their hands becomes something else entirely that kind of haunts you. You know what I mean? Like a League of Their Own is a sort of stock baseball period comedy. You That's know, kind like, of Hughes's thing, isn't it? Though I was just thinking about even like take. The, the the first vacation movie, the Griswolds want to go to Wally World. They come with the, all these 
hardships to get there in their in their family truckster. They get there and the park's fucking closed. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know <laughs> they gotta kidnap John Candy. Moose outside. I should have told you. There he is again. Right. Sorry, sorry, folks. Park's closed. Moose out front. Should have told you. <laughs> they gotta kidnap. Clark has to kidnap. You know the security guard to take his kids on a on a ride. So yeah, he's kind of got that like. Ugh. Is it's that not... bittersweet ending? Who's the who's his opposite number in Uncle Buck? Who who's the dude who ends up having to eat the all the fat and gristle on the on the like? Oh no, that's the great outdoors. That's him great and, and Dan, that's him and Dan Aykroyd. Right, when he's eating a seventy-two ouncer. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. He's like, well, you're done. You ain't done yet. Still got all that fat and gristle. No, he goes. He goes. Well, what? What do you mean he's not done? There's nothing left on that plate but fat and gristle. Oh, and gristle. the dude just looks at him like. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they run out. Dan, it's, yeah, it's Dan Aykroyd. And then, yeah, while they're at dinner, all the raccoons knock the garbage cans <laughs> yeah. over. So when they get home, there's a bunch of rotten food on the ground. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd just throws out 72 ounces worth of steak. <laughs> Dude, John Candy is so fucking funny. Oh, I gotta watch that again. I was just thinking, I was like, I gotta oh, watch. Oh no, because like he's like, oh my god, the raccoons got into the trash can, and John Candy <laughs> goes, look at the size of those maggots. <laughs> yeah, then Jack starts puking. <laughs> I was just thinking, I was like, I gotta watch Uncle Buck again just for this fucking scene where he talks to that the the bitchy teacher. He's like, oh, that's a great scene. Hey, when he goes the here's a fuck. Here's a quarter. Go downtown and find a rat to gnaw that. Thing. Off your the face. Off your face. Huge mole. Dude, Uncle Buck is the, that was a fucking great movie. And it's another one like this. You know what I mean? Yep. There's a fan fiction that that's Del Griffith. He 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 became Uncle Buck. Oh, he like kind of pulled yeah. some shit together. Oh, yeah. I like anyway. I like that. Deep deep Reddit holes that like but see, people care enough about that character. They do. Del. They do. They'll they'll get some fanfic and they're like he actually, you know, got his shit together. He moved to Chicago. Uh, the family growing up loved him so much. They call him Uncle Buck. Yeah. Like, you know yeah. why? Because Hughes' ending to Planes, Trains, and Automobiles doesn't leave you happy. Nope. You know what I mean? Like, as you, need, a, you need more. You put yes. it together. As a fan, it's like that thing where, like, you know, you get to the end of a series, and usually, you like, fan fiction blows up, one, when people are horny, <laughs> or two, yep. When people are like, no, you know, but that's not fair. Dell should be happy. Dell's a good dude. Okay, hold on. What if Dell like he becomes? Okay, go with me on this. And then he becomes blah, 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 Uncle Buck. Okay, now he's but he, he got his shit together and he's got some money and he's got a place. He's still an oddball and he's still Dell. You know, he's kind of funny. He's John Candy, but like he's kind of a con man. And yeah, and the only reason you try and that the only reason you force that bridge and make your fun fan theory. Is because you're bummed a little. Yeah, you want more for Dell. Yeah, and that's a weird thing to say about a hysterically funny comedy. You know, where you're like, your characters are not redeemed by the. the, the some of your characters are partially redeemed, mm-hmm. but everything's not hunky dory when we go out. When the credits roll, you you're happy. Obviously, you know it. It's not a movie that leaves. It's not you know you're not watching like you know. Planes, trains, and Schindler's List. No, it's, there's no "I pardon you" moments in no, this. No, this. You know, yeah, it's not like this brutalist. It's not the movies that I typically pick for my birthday month. Right. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's definitely a fun ending. You feel happy. You go out and you're like, yeah, this is great. 
But the next I, day, yeah, or that night, or a week from now, when you're like chuckling over, you know, well, you're fucked. You know, you're ah, that's so funny. But then you remember, I haven't been home in years, Neil. And then you, the smile kind of fades a little titch. And that's that is such a that's such a a, a plus column check for me for this flick. Yep. I fucking love it. Um, I cannot go another second without talking about Gus's son. Dude, Gus's son may be my favorite character in this entire Owen. movie. Owen, yeah. <laughs> He's wearing all of his clothes <laughs> at one time. Dude, I, we don't even need to do the show anymore. We just have the same notes. My note is <laughs> <laughs> Owen's wearing a t-shirt under a flannel, under a zippered hoodie, under a flannel, under a puffer vest. <laughs> yep. So from outest, furthest out layer to his underlayer. I'm assuming there's an A shirt on underneath there too. It oh, goes must be. puffer vest, flannel, hoodie, flannel, <laughs> t-shirt. And he's got them all arranged so that you can see each layer. Th- this actor is this actor is I, exceptionally funny. This dude is fucking hysterical. He's got the most haunting face. <laughs> yes, dude. <laughs> the, like but you can't see his teeth. It's the most nope. horrifying thing. He makes this. So there's a there's a couple moments where he like he snorts like he like hawks a Louis. He makes this sound essentially. He goes <laughs> and he like <laughs> he's really sucking some snot down. <clears throat> he's deep. He's deep in there. And there's this great moment <laughs> when he's picking up. Uh, he's picking up Dell and Neil, and he he's their ride right to their to their next mishap essentially. But uh. When he he rolls up in this like shitty fucking truck with no capper on the back, and he's got we find out it's his sister. He's got his sister with him, and that's why. They, yep. uh, so ultimately, the sister's riding in the cab, of course. So they have to ride in the back, and that's her, her that, first baby. Come on, sideways. She didn't scream or nothing. She's skinny, but she's strong. (laughs) Her first baby come out sideways. She didn't even scream, dude. His character. Oh no! Like this movie, even if you think the rest of it is dumb, I swear to God, this movie's worth watching just for that sequence when (laughs) Owen rolls up in the truck. My favorite bit of dialogue that he says is, (laughs) "People train run out of Stubville." Stubville. Because you don't know that people train don't run out of Wichita. People train run out of Studville. <laughs> you like kind of trips on it a little. Yeah. The moment that I love is there's a they're like cutting they're talking it's Neil like muttering how much he hates this situation to um, to Dell, and they just do like a he's it's, I can't remember what the line like the setup is, but basically Neil says like I mean. He's like, God, Dell, look at him. And they do like a quick cut over to fucking Owen. And he does his little like weird snot hawk thing. But he like opens his mouth into an O, like an O of like kind of like surprise. But it hides his teeth. So it's like this gaping black hole in his face. And then his eyes open like extra wide for a second. So his eyes bug out as he goes like. (laughs) And he's just. Damn it, Owen. Dude, the way that he pops his eyes, like, br- uh, have you ever seen Strange Brew? 
Oh, several times, yes. So I would say playing Strains is like, this is a definite step up from Strange Brew, but it does kind of have the same sort of like... I would agree, yeah. Not, I mean, Strange Brew's a cult movie for sure, but you oh, know what I'm yes. saying? These are kind of kiss and cousin flicks vibe-wise, and Canadian, just Canadian footprints all over him. Oh, yeah. But um, in Strange Brew, there's a moment where the, where <laughs> the brother's dog rolls up the roof... So it's just a quick shot. It's t- it's like three seconds. It makes no sense in the plot of the film. But there's a moment where they just reverse some footage of a, that someone rolling like a stuffed dog down the roof, basically. And it is so funny to watch a dog roll up a roof. It just is. Like you watch it and then you watch it like five, six times and you just laugh until you piss yourself. It, that's just how it works. For me... And Bird, this moment of this dude, like, his eyes popping, and he's got, like, chew juice dripping out, because he's, oh. ch- he's got a hank and chaw in, dude. Oh, yeah. And oh, watching, yeah. Him, watching him, like, like power snort some, some like, chew snot down into his... Uh. <laughs> I know. But, again, like, this is the weird thing. Like, normally, this would be where Bird leaves and doesn't come and back. He, you know? Yeah. Like, stands up. now, and this is disgusting. Right, but no, Bird's like, rewind it, rewind it. And we went back. <laughs> we, you know, we watched this dude, like... Horkin Chaw like five times just laughing hysterically and it shouldn't work but god damn is it funny um and I wrote down uh Owen is the world's vision of a youper <laughs> oh fair <laughs> like seriously the way they dress him his truck dude I've I have driven trucks that are worse shape than that you know what I mean <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah that's just what's up that's there. A, that's a deer camp truck right there. Oh, for sure. Like my brother's got, my brother owns a plow truck that has no floor. The pedals are hanging out over open floor, and if you look down, you can see brake lines, fuel lines, the drive shaft. Yeah, yeah, dude. It just it works. So safe is what you're saying. Right, right. If you need to get out quick, if there's a fire, you know, and the doors are shitty, or welded, like, shut. welded shut. Yeah, if someone welds you into the truck, you can escape through the floor. <laughs> But like as you're as you're plowing, you know, you put a carpet down so that the rocks don't kick up and hit you. Like that is a Michigan truck. That's a UP truck. That's a U. I was gonna say that's that's a UP oh. truck, sir. All right, so we've talked about some poignant moments. Yes, and some really disgusting moments. Can we yes. talk about an a dude just pure unbridled fun and so charming? The musical number, the karaoke, the lip, uh, when John Candy is lip syncing to the, the mess around. Oh, when yeah, when it's his turn to drive, uh, one some of the two hundred and ninety-seven point one miles it is from St. Louis to <laughs> Chicago, which uh, should take you roughly uh, four and a half hours to drive at a steady fifty-five miles an hour, which was the speed limit back in nineteen eighty-seven. Why does it take them so long to get from St. Louis to anyway? Crack uh, so, yeah, research, so he man. Starts listening to uh, the mess around. Do 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 the mess around. And like him, he's got the cigarette hanging out the corner of his mouth. He's playing piano on the dashboard. He's jerking the car back into the lane. What I love about that scene is, first of all, this is that thing I was talking about, that physical comedy. John Candy playing the keys. He looks like an old-timey Western saloon piano player. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He's got that, like, manic energy. He's got his chin back. He looks like he's having more fun than you and I have ever had. He's he's playing the solos on an air saxophone. Yeah, he's air saxing and jerking the car back into the lane. And one of the things that I love about this is there's a sense 
it, it's fun, you know, like, oh, it's so fun and heartwarming and charming. Holy shit, he's in the other lane. It's John Hughes, he's really got a really, he's got a firm grip on your emotional experience in this movie. Mm-hmm. Because there's, he made a, he put a little danger into a fun scene. And my favorite thing about this moment is, I mean, there is, there is like a, there's a kicker hidden in the punchline where the car catches on fire and burns. But like, everything turns out all right. They don't wreck the car. They don't flip the car. It's not a car crash that takes the car out. It's just a stupid accident like mm-hmm. every other bad thing that happens in this movie but there's it kind of reminded me of the the car scene in with and i when uh jimmy hendrix pops on yeah. voodoo child he's like i'm making time you know like that scene is funny partly because you're so afraid they're about to be involved in a fatal car in accident. a major accident yeah. yes <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the uh the mess around is so good and <laughs> right before it, there's the bit where John Candy's fucking with the seat. <laughs> you broke the seat. He's you like, the <laughs> don't break it. You're going to break it, Del. I can't get comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and then cut to Neil. <laughs> the seat is all the way back. Totally flat. Doesn't come up. And he's like, you, you broke, broke the, the seat. seat. You broke the goddamn seat. <laughs> then it won't stop, and it pushes them all the it way pushes up. Pushes him into the dashboard, yeah. <laughs> Just like mind of its own. Oh my god, so funny. Um, and then there's this great, there's the great dude that that moment when the car when they're like sitting on their you know their bags have flown out. They gather their shit up off the road, and they sit down on their like trunk, and they're just like, oh, whoo. What a what an experience that was. We can laugh about it now. We're okay now. We can laugh about it now. <laughs> right. And then they turn and they see the yeah, you hear the like that's a perfectly like that that scene is brilliant. And my dad always points it out every time. He go, he always chuckles when because you hear the whoop, whoop first. Right. And then you hear something fall off of the car, like a loose piece of glass clanks on the ground. Right. And then you kind of you start to see the reflection of the fire on the back of them. Neil turns around, looks at it, turns back. Right. Dell turns around, looks at it, looks back. And and we realize what's happened. It's, and it's then like, they they do the, they stand up together yep. and they sort of turn and look at it. And yep. it's one of my favorite moments in this movie. You're right, by the way, pointing out the that cinematography w- when the car catches on fire and the light. You know, the, the I didn't I didn't pick up on like the whoop and the falling thing. What I primarily noticed was the way that the the light of the flame takes some mm-hmm. time to reach him, which I love. You don't just get it a does, big like yes. whoosh, and then there's you know you can see that there's a fire happening. It kind of like you're right. It creeps around the edges where you're like, is that a flicker? What is that sound? They're, why is it getting bright? Oh my god, the car's on fire. And it takes <laughs> you a moment too. Yeah. But one of my favorite moments is when they stand up and turn and look at the burnt like the car just fully engulfed in flames. Because they both have been through so much shit that they are unfazed by this. Yep. It's awesome. Like you get a you car's get almost, on fire. You almost get like a chill at like these two tough dudes just like it's it's like a it's like a diehard three moment, you know? You yep. almost want Del to like like tap out another cigarette, you know? <laughs> Put it in his mouth. Put two in his mouth, you know, chirp, and like chirp out a one liner real quick. Yeah, he's like, uh, you know, like uh, millions of people die in car accidents every year, <laughs> you know, or some like, you know, yeah. some dumb factoid. And then you know, like, just fire up a couple of smokes and st- there's 
they're like stoicism in the face of the car fire is awesome. And then you think that how could John Hughes put a kicker inside a kicker, right? Yeah, it's impossible. You can't have a double punt like a triple punchline. And then they roll up to the hotel in that or no, they're driving down the street in that fucking like fried out crispy freaking car. Oh my god. Same- same paint scheme as uh, as the uh, Griswold family truckster from uh, Vacation, by the way. Is it? It's a green car with a wood paneling on it. It's a different model, but it's the exact same like color and and highlight as the family truckster. Anyways, so I down. that's there's another director, Sam Raimi. puts He uses like recurring things like that. He throws yeah his his yellow Chevy Nova or whatever classic. it is. It's I can't remember yeah. exactly what it is. It's not a it's not a car that you would immediately think of. For what right. it's like in a it's like an Impala. It looks like an Impala, but it's not an Impala. It's like that. It's like a Corsair, like a Chevy Corsair or something. But they call it the classic as a joke because it's like a like a seventy eight, you know, a sedan essentially. Piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce Campbell. I wrote an I wrote an article one time about um for uh, Nightmare on Film Street. By the way, that's a, a for those of you looking for a good horror movie podcast. Nightmare on Film Street is a phenomenal. Uh, horror movie review show they're kind of like they're bits like what we do basically except more structured they they have like a, sort of like a format that they s- stick to and they only do horror very good very funny but i wrote an article for their website one time they do a horror news website as well about the 13 13 characters who couldn't catch a break you know i was for the uh, last year's friday or two years ago it was friday the 13th and then my number one was the classic every sam raimi movie because in every movie it's like either like a dilapidated piece of shit rotting in a yard or it's in a car accident or it gets covered in blood. Apparently in real life, they've cut so many sections of that car off to set up shooting rigs and had to like restore it. But it's just a huge money pit to keep this car. Yeah. Like all the doors have been removed at one point or another. The windshield's been taken off. Like big chunks of the, like the back body panels have just been, the car's just been mangled and destroyed and then refurbished. Over and over and over again. It's like a lucky totem type deal. There's though. probably no original parts left on it. It's a whole new Yeah, like car every, every three movies it gets, you know, revived. Kind of <laughs> like humans. Every seven years we're a completely different creature than we were before. I believe that. Every I'm, single cell has been replaced. I'm a ton different than I was when I was 23. Tons. I'm so grateful for it, too. I'm such a shit. Um, not that I'm not now, but... Uh, so they. Oh, your shit. I for sure, for yeah. sure. So I'm, I must be missing a chunk of the movie in my head because my or that or my notes are out of order. So I said on their escape from the motel, the shimmy in the wheels. I remember the shimmy. Oh right, because they, because yeah, once the car burns, they get to the next hotel. Right. And Neil has kind of had it again. Right. And he's able to get a hotel room with his nice watch and $27 or whatever. And Del can't because all he has is $2 in a Casio. Got it. I'm remembering yeah. it right. <laughs> yeah, yep. and I love so how then, it displays the Casio, too. <laughs> and a Casio. And a Casio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but, yeah, so that's when we get the he invites him in. They have their Doritos and airline tequilas and have their real bonding moment. Dude, what a— And then they escape the next day. Yeah. I, I love I love the echo of of the of the first hotel and this hotel because right it's, you know because it we they both they have moments they have like a moment in each place and to see the the progress that these two men or that these two dudes like relationship has the way that it's changed from that to this is mm-hmm. awesome 
this is really cool. And it's the there's something about sitting around drinking airplane bottles of liquor that it always charms me on film. I guess there's yep. something like kind of like appealing and romantic to low grade alcoholism that I just you like, know. I was gonna think any, any like recently, anytime I think of someone drinking from mini airline bottles, it's Denzel Washington and in flight, flight. He's dipping two of them into some OJ before he it's inverts a plane to land upside down in a field. Right? Like that is that is there will be, you might as well just stop putting small airplane bottles of liquor and stuff because Denzel Washington just crushes in that movie. You peaked it, dude. Okay, so we talk about drinking in movies a lot. Some yeah. movies make me want to drink. Yeah, and this is not a movie. This is a movie. This is a cautionary tale about what al- like about alcoholism and drug abuse and like something that can be very real. It happens. It's a very real movie. Talking and about you flight. Feel it flight yeah 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 yeah. i don't i want to drink more (laughs) watching that flick (laughs) usually i want a screwdriver i want a i want a cube of pbr yeah like you want john goodman to come and deliver some cocaine oh my god can we do a cocoa puff with john goodman please that would be incredible (laughs) it's i I mean it's funny it's 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 not funny but it's a little fun i was watching it's not funny that movie's intense man flight's killer we'll do it for the show for sure someday i love that movie um, but I was watching Californication the other day. Like it was an episode, I think, in season two or three. And there's a bit where Hank Moody's uh, there's an English teacher with two of his students, and Hank Moody's rescuing his a, a young girl who's important to his wife, like a, his like maybe stepdaughter character type deal. Whatever. That's a tangled web they weave. But he he pops in, and there's like a cocaine party going on. And he, like, kicks the teacher in the balls, but on the way out the door, he's got a cigarette in his mouth, and he licks the end and dips it in, in the cocaine. Oh, God. Fire, fires it up, and, like, the look of gratification, you know, <laughs> smoking smoking a little coke off the end. What you, there's a name for it. You were telling me. It's a cocoa puff. A cocoa puff, yeah. So as soon as I see Hank Moody do that, my first thought was I'm like, I wonder how many times Carl's done that. <laughs> this life is like, I just popped directly into my head. I know it's bad, but. Eee, I know. Once or twice. <laughs> that's, that's all being more Carl. <laughs> yes, yes. The the age has gone by. It, it, young, younger, so, young, younger. Life, lifetime ago back in my 30s. Oh yeah. So wait. So th- am I supposed to be like letting shit get wild now that I'm thirty? Dude, you should be doing as much cocaine as possible. <laughs> Dude, I, no, I'm good. I, I I do not. I do not do not endorse <laughs> measuring flex. Does not endorse my message. I don't know. What, I'm just joking. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. No, no, like do as much cocaine as you can. Really. <laughs> While the world's great. still spinning. Oh God. Um. So when they... I do not, I do not agree with that statement that I just. No, made, yeah, it was way. clearly satire. Very obviously joking. We... Sometimes in audio only, it's hard to catch the wink and the. N- <laughs> yeah, without emojis, how can people tell <laughs> what your <laughs> intentions are? Yeah. <laughs> so that was a that was one of those winky those winky face winky yep, with the smile, that. or would that be like one of the is that the the laughing tears face? Oh, the it's the. <laughs> one that one the laughing tears face laughing tears face guys don't do cocaine just stick to booze coffee weed and and lesser psychedelics um or greater psychedelics honestly go for it i support that yeah man we're adults put what you want in there drink kerosene on a fucking rock in the middle of the ocean if you want i mean you know <laughs> time gets all squirreled and you might jack off to a whole bunch of mermaid so, statues, a bunch but... of mer- wooden mermaids <laughs> you know but it is what it is <laughs> <laughs> Oh,
callback. <laughs> Fun editing. <laughs> I like creating more work for you in the studio. I know, it's great. I haven't had to take notes in ages, but now I'm like, all right, now how can I... Well, in- I'm not making... St- as many stupid comments as I used to. It's true. We are learning. And most of the learning was because I had to send like you or send myself texts where it's like, uh, note to self. Had to cut five minutes. The Tommy episode was my all-time favorite example of that. <laughs> which, which, by the way, if you head on over to patreon.com, try and find it. It's, it's, for free. it's free right now. I remember putting it or taking down the paywall. Listen to the uncut Tommy episode. The the cut version that I put out is like an hour shorter because we were so fucking <laughs> heinous on that episode. We start this by this one's for Old Town Playhouse. Yes. It needs to be PG. We start we with need no swears. We started really good, like well, the no, first ten fifteen minutes. Well, we start the show with like, and this will be the very first clean measuring flex. <laughs> like twenty minutes, and it's like, and there's just they're rolling down the aisles, and there's dead dead children, and it's, oh my god. Yep. It's absolutely heinous. Um, but <laughs> so after they sorry, jumping back into planes, trains. Um, after they escape from the hotel, after they've bonded over the over the shots of liquor and <laughs> all of the and they've they've got. I, ca- I keep wondering why you said escape from the hotel. I was like, why? Why are they? I don't remember they escaping from the hotel. I'm like, oh yeah, because they actually backed in. They backed the to car the and entire d- room that they just left. <laughs> they destroy the room. Yeah, yeah. They- the car was in the living room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They escaped the hotel. Yeah, they had to escape the hotel. I like. There's. There's no amount of like room insurance that's gonna cover that. You can't leave a twenty or like a well, you can't leave a ten. It's nineteen eighty seven. Nope. Can't leave a ten on the dresser and be like, sorry, just clean that up. Sorry about your entire hotel. <laughs> yeah, like dude, that that's big time construction. The shimmy though. Whoever whatever mechanic they had like do that alignment to fuck the wheels up that hard, that mechanic had the best day ever. He's like, for real? For real, like as long as it drives, I can really fuck with it, right? Because the you can't, you almost can't see the wheel; it's wiggling so much. It is so, and it's making that. Yes, and they got a donut on the back too. So like, I think I noticed that for the first time on this watch, dude. I've seen this movie seventy five <laughs> fucking times. This is the first time I realized that they fucking had to replace one of the. Yeah, tires they got the spin nut. Because it it's burnt to a crisp, right. and they still had a donut. <laughs> they throw the donut on the back, and they get the oh my god, them like both bundled the fuck up because the car is destroyed. There's no roof on it the anymore. Heater, the, the radio still works. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so they're listening to the radio. Oh yeah, and he, John Candy has a line about it too, where he's like, "It's like <laughs> a funny thing is, radio radio works." F- oh no, it's the gauges bit. So the cop, the cop pull, he gets pulled, pulled over by a cop, and the cop comes up. The cop comes up. To what are you driving here? The, he comes up to the car, and he, like, looks in at the dashboard, and then he looks at John Candy. He goes, you got no functioning gauges. John Candy goes, nope, not a one. But the radio still works. Imagine they had all the damage and still clear as a bell. Clear as a bell. I just like, nope, not a one. <laughs> nope, nope, nary a one. <laughs> Radio still works. <laughs> oh, um, I can't let you. I can't let you on with this vehicle. Right. <laughs> we were, we were joking. Um, when we did our, our two episodes on the lighthouse, I said today we're talking about twenty twenty the movie. Yeah. In a weird way, man. Like when I was watching this movie, I kind of felt the same way. I'm like. 
yeah, it like okay, March is when we're trying to get into the cab. Yep. <laughs> you know. Um, April, here come all the closures, <laughs> you know, yep. canceled, canceled, canceled. And then you're like, oh shit. Okay. And then you're trapped in a, if you're trapped in a room with someone going, <laughs> at you mm-hmm. for, and then, you know, there, there is a point, let's call it October, the month before election, you know, October, finally we, getting somewhere and the car catches on fire. Exactly. We all turn around and the car's on fire and none of us are phased. We're just like. Yeah. Well, guess that's for sure. I'm yep. surprised it didn't happen earlier, honestly. You know, like <laughs> Yeah, to the point where like, nope, none of the gauges work. Funny. But right yeah. still there is a moment where like the you know, the authorities roll by and they're like, Hey, are you doing okay? We're like, No. Yep. Well, great. <laughs> Not at all, but on your way. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um so what do you think? What okay so we've we've covered we've covered the gist like the, the pretty much the broad strokes of the movie the high points the lows they're bonding I want to now that we've kind of arrived at the end I want to dig in a, mm-hmm. a, a little bit to why the ending of this movie Every works so well you go away, Is that the song? You take a piece of me with Yeah that's the song. But I don't See, I don't yeah. remember. Every time you go away. Is is that the music that's playing when uh Neil comes back and Dell is still he's like still sitting on the bench? Yeah, it's like an orchestrated version of it. It's like one of those weird things where they're 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 doing like a a version of it. Like a piano cover like a, or like a scored version of it. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Uh, oh, and it's yeah, yeah, yeah. The song starts when Neil is reminiscing. And it yep. it kind of like reaches like a sort of denouement moment when he yep, comes and it right, vamps right, right. in the score while they're having their little interaction, and then it comes back with Augusto when they're walking up to the house together, carrying the case, carrying right. the luggage. Yeah, there's there's a moment when they get off the train, you know, and they're they're doing the like the awkward goodbye, which I think is very charming because mm-hmm. they're they're doing the like you know, well I you know I. I guess this I guess this goodbye won't be seeing you anymore and you know Steve Martin's like god I hope not you know and they're they're kind of joking mm-hmm. with each other and even here even at this moment you can tell both of them are don't want to say goodbye Yeah it's weird right it's and, like they've come to this moment where they they're not ready to say goodbye it's they, a, there's more there It's a cool yeah it's a, it's a really cool little bit of dueling performances where they're both mm-hmm. you're doing that aw shucks thing where it's not just an awkward goodbye where it's like I got, I, hey you're a stranger and we had some crazy right. because it's because it's more now it's more than just an a weird train ride or like like, if, like give you my number because i kind of like to to hang out with them. i can't i can't say that can't right ask you that yeah that's too that's weird, weird. But, but like think about it they've destroyed a hotel room they watched a rental car burn they've you know they've shared or they've steve martin washed his face in the dude's underwear water <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. these two men are like they they have they've gone on a, a quest the hero's journey they've yes. confronted their father figures and they've come back from the netherworld like these two dudes are They've formed like a lifelong bond, but neither of them's willing to admit it. And they're both kind of playing this. They're playing this moment of, oh, well, what a crazy couple of days. Firm handshake. Catch you later, Dell. But both of them know that that's not the situation. Right. And 
this is the honestly this time uh this this watch i completely forgot that john candy's wife had died and that he was just like homeless vagabond character. i completely slipped my mind like i I hadn't seen it since i was probably like you know 17 or 18 years old i remembered all like the funny shit but i forgot about the ending and I think part of that is my brain scabbing out the bit of the movie. A little bit, because it's soxy in the gut, man. It really does. In a again, in a good way. It's not a yeah. It's it's not a bummer. It's just poignant. It's so yes. poignant, you know. Um. So like the moment that it came flooding back, and I p- probably partly remembered, and then partly like refigured out what was going on, mm-hmm. is Steve Martin heads off towards like the cab line, and Dell doesn't go anywhere. He just like stands on the platform i'm pretty sure the pl- the train starts to pull away yep. like all the people are gone because they've been saying goodbye you know all the people are gone neil's walking away and dell's just there with his trunk and after the train's like pieced out there's no people around he he like kind of looks around and just moves in like a little half circle because he's got nowhere to go now he got neil back home like he said he was going to but yep but now this is this is what happens when he doesn't have a traveling companion. When he rolls into a city, he's got no money. He's got a Casio. He's he has nowhere to go. He's got a trunk full of you know shower curtain <laughs> shower rings. curtain rings. Yeah, like, and that's the moment where uh, you know if you've been paying attention or if you've seen the movie before and now it's all coming back. That's the first moment where you get this sort of. We, we were talking about. We just did an episode on Midsummer. You know how Midsummer is one of those movies where after you've seen it and you watch it again, you start to see the like, oh my god, he, you know, Pele is looking right at her in that yep. scene, and oh, the, he he bowed this other his brother bows the to him. The nuance starts to to come to the surface. Starts to flush out, yeah. Like this is this is that this is that moment. You know this this is the face in the trees kinda where you're like, oh my, why is oh he? Oh my god, yeah, why is he not going anywhere? Like. Is he, he's just going to sit on his trunk on a train platform, and then you're like, oh, shit, wait a minute, is he? No, I remember now. No, no, say it so. <laughs> um, I love the the final moment when they go into the house, and when Mrs. Page, and what's, do we know her first name, or is she just? I, I think it's mentioned once. Yeah, she's really, she's only in the movie for, like, a couple minutes, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, she doesn't have a lot to do, but I love just her her facial performance seeing her husband again. So when Steve Steve Martin comes through the door and sees his wife, and she sees him, I wrote down that his face is so expressive, like we've already touched on a million yes. times. But this is the maybe the only time I've ever seen someone upstage Steve Martin's <laughs> like expressiveness in his face. There is something almost i wrote down borderline religious just profoundly emotional in her performance reuniting with him mm-hmm. after this this saga of like the plane got grounded i can't get home for the holiday and this is this is there's a bunch of movies that are i'm trying to get home for the holidays you know like yes. And, it and is a type of film it, it is. is a whole genre of its own it is and i think that the reason that i I think that it's telling that I can't name any other ones but this one right now. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I should be able to grab a couple because there's a ton of movies about, oh, I'm going to be late for Christmas. I, I well, there's one called Coming Home for Christmas, but I couldn't tell you who's in it or what's it about what, other than someone trying to get home for Christmas. I think very technically Castaway is one of those movies. 
Ooh. Right? Because he's, yeah. he's going, he's on going like, home for Christmas. Right. He's going on a, on a trip. Plane. And then it goes down, and that's why there's all the Christmas presents on the on the plane, which he ends up using. So Castaway is one of these movies. <laughs> that's a bad one to pull, because that's Fair a enough. fucking excellent film. <laughs> but um, You know why I think this performance resonates so much? Is there is no run to the door and embrace. The entire thing takes place just... With her expression. Yes, and there's no dialogue for a little bit, too. They just, mm-hmm. it's that it's that Ari Aster, Eggers thing where you let the actor work for a second. And Hughes, and I, I'm now in my head just putting John Hughes and Penny Marshall kind of together. But yeah, like, because it's fair. They, have, they do have somewhat similar directorial styles. Now that I'm thinking about their films as kind of like, like a, a pe- of a piece, you know, or of a, mm-hmm. like a, a pair. But, um... He let like this is another brilliant Hughes move because you don't you have a, a moment that you've seen a million times, but John Hughes does it like you've never seen it before. No dialogue, no run to the door and let's embrace and and oh I've missed you and oh who's this? What's his name? Dell? Is his name Dell? Oh, that's ama-. no. Everyone just shuts the fuck up. It's been harrowing for everyone, and the movie gives us a quiet moment to both appreciate the the reunion which we all love who doesn't love it mm-hmm. like that's part of what makes you feel warm is oh man a reunion but also it gives you a quiet moment in a movie full of frenetic like antic energy and that quiet moment gives you space to process both your joy at the the, the happy conclusion here's Dell. he's going to have a family to have thanksgiving dinner with He's going to, you know, like, good, awesome. He's going to get a shower and maybe do some laundry. and Yeah. Rock. So you 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 have the space to appreciate your joy, but also that quiet gives you the, the sort of headspace to also accommodate your sorrow. Yeah. Your, your, your Whatever poignancy the movie's ringing out of, of Dell's tra- recently revealed tragedy. And if you just let's okay that we don't want you, you could easily have a studio note wipe that ending out by being like oh, very easily it, it's it gets a little slow we need at her the to end run down that we need her to run down the stairs embrace Neil big kiss touch his face right, uh, introduce I, I've been worried yeah. and turned like, can we get it like you know like what's the famous she ju- doesn't even come all the way down the stairs she's, no she's parked on the second landing yeah yeah and that's where she that isn't that where she says hi to Dell too right she from said, up yeah, there because he goes hello Mrs Griffith or hello Mrs Neil. Hello, Mrs. Page. And she goes, hello, Mr. Griffith. Talk about... And then she comes down the stairs. Talk about the use of space between actors again. Yes. Having her stop on the landing and then everyone has to... You have to communicate overwhelming joy from eight feet away. On a different level. On a different... Playing playing with levels. You're creating a dynamic visual image. You're giving yourself editing options. Like, people who want to get into making movies... Sometimes I feel like the movies that you should be watching are not the ones you think. You know what I mean? They're not Citizen Kane, and they're not uh, Schindler's List necessarily. Right? Yeah. Still and watch them, but of course, like, and I'm a huge fan of like art house movies. So you know, when I when I start thinking about oh, I'm going to write a screenplay, that's oh, okay. I'm going to watch. I never go to like I'm going to watch The Witch and Hereditary and Midsummer and. Get out and, you know, I, I don't watch Steve. But sometimes a league of their own and planes, trains, and automobiles are the films you need to watch for good filmmaking. Yeah, choices. like, there's a lot of stuff to learn in this movie. You know what I mean? Like, 
and it's you know watching you know if you're you can learn stuff from watching Tropic Thunder. You want anything, any movie, any movie has right. its lessons. But like, there's a reason that certain directors come back again and again and again. John Hughes, Steven Spielberg. You're not gonna go wrong checking out their oeuvre. Their entire body of work has lessons here. I love the way that this is shot. I love the way this is paced. I particularly like the writing mm-hmm. because it it sets you up with certain sets of expectations and then repeatedly violates them over and over again in ways that is that are very satisfying rather yeah. than irksome. You know, where you're like, oh, okay, look, you just did that because I was expecting this and now you're just fucking with me. Movies fall into that rut all the time. This is not one of them. This is a really beautifully balanced piece of art. I love this movie. So, and yes, along those lines, so Danielle hates, hates, hates movies where the one bad thing keeps happening over and over and over again. Like, because when this movie started, and we when we started to watch it, she's like, "Oh no, is this one of those movies where someone's trying to do something but bad things keep happening?" I'm like, "Yeah, it, it is, but I think you'll dig it because it's not." just that yeah and she was worried that it was gonna be she was she was not gonna be able to watch it but she did she watched the whole thing and dug it because it is that movie it is that they're trying to do a thing but bad things keep happening along the way right but there's something it's it's not just that it's not problem child and it's not (laughs) it's not clifford it's not (laughs) right yeah yeah because so, it's not it's it's not because most of the time those movies come from a place of like trying to just twist the knife as much as possible, make you feel uncomfortable. And how how fucked can we make this person feel? Right. 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 Where this is more. I don't know. It comes from a place of, of good humor and um, just two dudes trying to get one dude back home for Thanksgiving. Like, I don't know. I just realized there's there's a some new movie there's a some a movie series that came out within like the last say 7 years that does this this genre the like wacky event we're trying to accomplish a goal and just wackiness keeps on happening right that's a genre some of the movies mm-hmm. are fun some of the movies are not this movie is amazing but there's a I like that this still is still around and is still being reinvented cuz yes mm-hmm. bad versions of this are still happening but I think the Hangover movies are actually a really good example of how you twist this genre because what you're all you do is you sort of do like a CSI investigation right. of the wacky events from the perspective of the following day. Right. You know what I mean? So just like there, that's a, that right there is a writing lesson. You can take a genre and reinvent it just by shifting where your POV is. The perspective, is. yep. Right, Absolutely. just change change your perspective Absolutely. or find a new motif or conceit to weave in. Like we don't we don't need to be remaking shit. You know what I mean? No. You know, and people who are saying like, "Well, that's just derivative." Of course, it's derivative. There's only like derivative. It's only like what f- five stories. Man versus nature, man versus man. Uh, Man fights dog, and dog becomes man. Man (laughs) dog eats bone, bone becomes man. There's plenty of stories. That's six right there. Yeah, I'm wrong. (laughs) Planet becomes dog. You know what? I'm gonna. I think this is a new category of movie we've discovered, which is should be mediocre '80s ish flick. 
Max, do you know what they are? They all fall into the Carl and Sarah Hartley Rudy category. I'm not even fucking kidding you. <laughs> Everything that hits our Rudy list, like yeah. movies we grew up with and love, sure. are all exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> They're Turner and Hooch. They're fucking... <laughs> planes, trains, uh, and automobiles. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Well, man, I hope we find more. Like, make me a list of your Rudy movies Flat then. Because I'll tell you what, I like this. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, the one note that I do want to have to say about planes, trains, and automobiles yeah, that I yeah. thought was important because I grew up with this movie. Sure. When I was a kid, every time you'd watch a movie, you kind of want to um, replicate some of the character. like, Or you want to be a part of like, I really like how how sharply dressed James Bond is. So right. I'm going to find a right. suit and dress that way. Um so growing up watching planes, trains, and automobiles, I always wanted to be like Neil Page. I wanted to be a professional and live in Chicago and go home and and see my wife and kids for the holidays and and have a nice watch and mm-hmm. all of this. I grew up wanting to be Neil Page, and I ended up being Del Griffith, and I'm totally fucking cool with that. <laughs> yeah, man. That's a great lesson to take from this movie in a weird way. Right. No, at the end of the day, there's nothing really wrong with either of these men. You know what I mean? Nope. I, like nope. it, you, that's a, that's a kind of a cool aspect of this, which is one of these characters has a lot to teach the other, and it's not the successful businessman who has anything of value. Well, part of it is about breaking Neil down mentally, MK Ultra style. A little bit of, and it's all just clearing sinus noises and Metallica. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Black Album and... <laughs> yeah. Every time you go away, you take a piece of me. 